Decaying Review and Speaking to the Blind, celebrating 40 years of audio newspaper production. Welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times podcast, recorded at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre by our amazing volunteers. You can get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter or Instagram using at QNReview, that is at symbol C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. You can also contact us directly by emailing information at tunereview.com. That is I-N-F-O-R-M-A-T-I-O-N at symbol C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W dot C-O-M. Or by calling 0141 772 3976. That's 0141 772 3976. The Glasgow Times, on Thursday the 10th of August 2023. From the news section. Pensioner with tumour died after scans not properly monitored. This article is unattributed and it was read by me, Corey. A much-loved pensioner suffered a horrific death from an operable brain tumour after doctors failed to properly monitor her scan results. Her husband has said. An investigation by the Parliamentary and Health Service Ombudsman PHSO has found that Glasgow-born Mary Ashford, who was 71 when she died in 2015, was not offered surgery until it was too late as medical staff failed to monitor her scan results properly and did not report significant findings. Miss Ashford, who lived near Blackpool, was diagnosed with a brain tumour in 2010 at the Royal Preston Hospital after suffering headaches and seizures. Despite regular MRI scans showing the tumour was growing and pushing her brain to one side, she was told that it was not growing and was not offered surgery to remove it until May of 2015. Independent medical specialists told the Ombudsman that Miss Ashford should have been offered surgery three years earlier. The tumour grew and affected the surrounding area of her brain, making it more likely that she could be injured or die following surgery. Miss Ashford died from a stroke in 2015 after her surgery. Her husband, Alan Ashford, now aged 73, told the PA News Agency, It was horrific. They just left the tumour to consume her. He added, I blame myself because I just trusted him, the doctor. At the end of the day, she was effectively slowly dying over a four and a half year period. She was dying before my eyes, if you like, and I had no idea. The couple had met in 1971 before getting married in 1979 and moving to Blackpool to start a family which includes three children, a granddaughter and a one-year-old great-granddaughter whom Miss Ashford never got to meet. Mr Ashford says his wife suffered from depression and that created problems but she was a nice and kind person who was very caring. He added that she was reluctant to have the operation fearing that she may not survive. He said when they offered her the operation in early March of 2015, she was confused. She didn't want the operation. She said, to me, there's no point in having the operation. I won't survive it. She said that on numerous occasions. She went into the operation and, as far as I'm concerned, she was not hopeful and 99% certain she was going to die. 
and she did. She never regained consciousness. All of it is horrific. I listened to him for years telling me it, the tumour, is not growing. He recalled, A friend said to me, did you not notice she was getting worse? I said yes, but put it down to the medication she was on and the antidepressants. Concerns about his wife's care led Mr Ashford to lodge a complaint with the Ombudsman, who says the case emphasises the need for urgent improvements to imaging practices in the NHS. Ombudsman Rob Burns said, This tragic case highlights why we've been calling for imaging improvements to be treated as an urgent issue for patient safety. Our casework shows that, sadly, Mish Ashford is not the only person who lost her life because of mistakes related to scans and x-rays. Timely analysis and reporting of scans is fundamental to the diagnosis and management of many health conditions. The sooner we see changes made, the fewer people we will see harmed by these entirely avoidable failings. The Ombudsman 2021 report on the NHS imaging highlighted repeated failings such as those found in Miss Ashford's case. PHSO led the call alongside NHS England and the Royal College of Radiologists to urge the government to prioritise improvements to the way scans and x-rays are carried out and reported on. The PHSO says there has been an effort across the NHS to implement the Ombudsman's recommendations since then, but progress has been slow. Mr Ashford added, thanks to the Ombudsman's meticulous report, the rules regarding the monitoring of patients has been implemented by the hospital to ensure that this cannot happen again to anyone else. My wife suffered horribly from the effects of the tumour for more than four years. And it was obvious to the family and myself when reading the scan reports that the monitoring of her tumour was highly suspect. The tumour should have been removed before it came in contact with the carotid artery. The fact that it was not is a complete mystery to us. We have no idea why the consult concerned acted in the way that they did. And as we have never been offered an explanation, we have no closure. That article was from the Glasgow Times. The article was unattributed, but it was read by me, Corey. I would also like to apologise for my pronunciation of Ombudsman. I seem to just have difficulty pronouncing that. The Glasgow Times on Thursday the 10th of August 2023. From the news section. Popular Glasgow brunch spot up for sale, asking £70,000. An article written by Marissa McRitter and read by me, Corey. A popular cafe and brunch restaurant in the East End has been put up for sale, asking for £70,000. Mesa, on Duke Street, is known for its massive sandwiches and indulgent brunch offering. Open since 2019, the owner has decided to move on as his family grows and priorities change. A spokesman for the Scottish Business Agency, who is marketing the property, said, Mesa has been built up by its passionate owner since 2019. The time has now come to move on as his family grows and priorities change. This decision has not been an easy one as it is operated with commitment and high attention to detail. 
However, this opens up an opportunity for someone to take over a popular spot in genuine walk-in condition. Mesa boasts a huge social media following and is much loved by residents in Deniston. The unit is marketed as a perfect opportunity for a first-time cafe owner or someone who already owns a business and is looking to expand to another area of the city. The leasehold cafe opportunity has a Class 1 licence, can take 20 to 22 covers and has an annual rent of £19,760 plus VAT. Condition is described as turnkey with no rates payable. The lease has four and a half years remaining, but could be extended for a new owner. To learn more, check out scottishbusinessagency.co.uk forward slash business forward slash Mesa hyphen Glasgow. That's M-E-S-A hyphen Glasgow. That article was from the Glasgow Times. It was written by Marissa McRitter and it was read by me, Corey. The Glasgow Times on Thursday the 10th of August 2023. Simon Carlyle, Two Doors Down Creator, Dead Aged 48. An article written by Rebecca Newlands and read by me, Corey. Two Doors Down Creator, Simon Carlyle, has died at the age of 48. Tributes have poured in for Carlyle, who has been remembered as a wonderful person and a major comedic talent. The news was confirmed in a statement by his manager, Amanda Davis. She said, I am immensely sorry to confirm that Simon Carlyle has died at the age of 48. Simon was a wonderful person and a major comedic talent. He was much respected across the industry, both for the quality of his writing and for being a kind, funny, supportive and nurturing collaborator. Our thoughts and deepest sympathies go to his family, friends and colleagues. Two Doors Down had recently completed filming of its seventh season in February. John Petrie, Director of Comedy Commissioning at the BBC, said... We are deeply saddened by the news of the death of our friend and colleague, Simon Carlyle. Simon was a wonderful comedy talent who, amongst many other credits, co-created and wrote the multi-award winning series Two Doors Down. His warm comic voice shone through these characters, garnering huge audience affection and firmly establishing it as a long-lasting sitcom favourite. Our sympathies are with his family and friends at this difficult time. Carlyle also wrote for Changing Ends, the ITV comedy series about Alan Carr growing up in the 1980s, and the BBC LGBT plus show Boy Meets Girl. Louise Thornton, head of commissioning at BBC Scotland, said, All of us at BBC Scotland are deeply saddened to hear this news. Simon was a major writing talent, loved for his work on Two Doors Down and many other series. Our thoughts are with Simon's family and friends and the cast and crew on Two Doors Down. The sitcom's production team also said, We are deeply saddened by this terrible news. Simon was a brilliant, funny, mercurial and magnificent human being. 
he had a microscopic fascination with what makes funny things funnier, and we were so lucky to have known him. He was at the centre of all the work we made together, and his loss will be felt profoundly by all of us. We send love and support to his family and friends. Two Doors Down is set to move to BBC One for the next six episodes of the new series. That article was written by Rebecca Newlands and it was read by me, Corey. The Glasgow Times on Thursday the 10th of August 2023. From the news section. Urgent calls to rehome influx of cats and kittens. An article written by Rebecca Newlands and read by me, Corey. Urgent calls have been made to rehome an influx of cats and kittens in animal shelters. The Scottish SPCA has experienced a significant increase in cats at their centres, with 465 more felines needing to be fostered than last year. Seven-year-old Bella Rose, who has been looked after at the Scottish SPCA's Glasgow Centre, is one of hundreds of cats and kittens who are looking for a home as shelters reach full capacity. Anna O'Donnell, Scottish SPCA rehoming and fostering lead, said, We are seeing a rise in cats coming into our care, and we'd love anyone thinking about welcoming a cat into their home to consider rescuing an animal. We have such a variation of breeds, temperaments and ages that we're confident we have a cat to suit most families. We'd also like to encourage anyone thinking about buying a kitten to consider adopting a young cat instead. They are just as playful and fun as a kitten, but a little easier to take care of in a lot of ways. The rise in cats and kittens arriving in shelters is thought to be down to the rise in low-welfare kitten breeding. Similar to puppy breeding, the kittens are raised in poor conditions where they are likely to have a number of medical and behavioural problems. The Scottish SPCA is urging people not to buy kittens from these sellers and visit them instead. Anna said, anyone interested in a cat can view and apply for some of the animals we currently have available for rehoming on our website. Bella Rose is just one of the cats we have in the care of our Glasgow Centre looking for a home. She is seven years old and enjoys company once she trusts you. However, despite being good-natured, she will let you know when she wants space. For this reason, we feel she would be best suited to either an adult-only home or a home with older children who are used to being around cats. Bella Rose requires a home in a quiet area that can offer her outdoor access once she is fully settled and chooses to explore. She is not able to live with any other animals as she wants all the attention to be on her. As anyone who has rescued an animal will tell you, these cats will be so grateful for a second chance at a loving home. We'd love to see them all happy and settled with new families as soon as possible. That article was from the Glasgow Times. It was written by Rebecca Newlands and it was read by me, Corey. Evening Times, August 10, Lifestyle. New image shows Glasgow in year 2100. Report by Rebecca Newlands. 
An image shows what Glasgow could look like in the year 2100, thanks to a photo edit feature. Adobe has used Photoshop's generative fill feature to imagine the city's appearance 77 years from now. The image, which depicts some of Glasgow's most iconic landmarks, like the River Clyde, the SEC Armadillo and OVO Hydro, shows a huge transformation with a number of tall skyscrapers. A Ferris wheel has also been added to the skyline by the river. The prediction comes after a new 935-foot skyscraper was approved to be built in the City of London by 2029, and advancing technology means that more futuristic buildings can be developed. Report by Rebecca Newlands. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 11th of August 2023, from the news section, Loving their gin, Glasgow Pub welcomes UCI cyclists. Report by Tom Grant. A Knightswood pub has been told how most of the cycling athletes who have popped in to visit them during the event have been enjoying grabbing a pint with the regulars. Denise Taylor of the Lincoln Inn on Great Western Road explained her boozer has been full of competitors of the UCI Cycling World Championships over the last week due to its proximity to many of the, the events. The bar sits next to Knightswood's Glasgow BMX Centre, which has been hosting multiple events, and Denise revealed many of the cyclists have been in for a food refuel and a pint. She said, They're all having pints. Pints, gins, the Canadians. They're right into their gins. It was just the language barrier was some, of, some was a bit difficult, but we got there. We've been standing Google Earthing where they live. Denise introduced a BMX themed food menu in order of the championships coming to the Knightswood area and explained the pub has even seen people involved in the championships use it as a washroom. She added, We've had Polish, we've had Americans, we've had Canadians in for food and drinks. Some of them are staying in caravan parks, some of them in the city centre. Some of them in Loch Lomond. They're everywhere. They're all over the place. There was actually one guy who was sleeping in our car park at the back of a camper van for a couple of nights and then just coming in and using our toilet, which was fine. Meadows has also made it to the Lincoln, with racers showing off their gold, silver and bronze to the locals. Denise finished. Our regulars that sit in the lounge have just been chatting away to all of them. I found a couple of times... Cyclists that were sitting at a table have ended up standing at the bar with the regulars. And that story was by reporter Tom Grant. From the Glasgow Times, Friday 11th of August 2023, from the news section. Overwhelmed with well wishes, Asda Worker celebrates 80th birthday. Report by Jacob Nicholl. A man who has worked at a busy Renfrewshire supermarket for 20 years has thanked staff and customers for helping him celebrate his 80th birthday. The Asda store at the Phoenix Retail Park was recently decorated with banners and balloons to mark Santa Saint Santiago's milestone year. Hundreds of people also wished Santi a happy birthday on social media 
after the supermarket chain shared a picture of the celebrations on Facebook. Santi, who works in the store's grocery department, said, Thank you to, all, to my colleagues at Asda Linwood for making my 80th birthday celebration so special. I spent the day working and I was overwhelmed with all the well wishes. I have celebrated my birthday at Asda 20 times now and hope to celebrate many more with a fantastic team. Claire Mackle, the store's community champion, said, Santi is so well known by customers and colleagues for always being happy and helpful. All the team here at Asda Linwood would like to wish Santi a massive happy 80th birthday and hope he had a fantastic day. And that article was by Jacob Nicol. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 11th of August 2023, from the news section, 999 crews raced to south side of Glasgow after women struck by vehicle, by Morgan Carmichael. 999 crews raced to govern this afternoon after a woman was struck by a vehicle. We previously reported that Govan Road was shut down to all traffic between Goldsby Street and Shaw Street due to a road traffic incident. Now, the Glasgow Times can confirm that a woman was struck in the street at around 3.20pm. Officers attended the scene to assist and the road has since reopened. The woman's condition is currently unknown. The Scottish Ambulance Service has been contacted for comment. And that story was by Morgan Carmichael. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 11th of August 2023, from the news section, Bay City Rollers make surprise appearance at event for Glasgow Charity. Report by Morgan Carmichael. A popular Scottish band made a surprise appearance at a charity event recently. The Bay City Rollers played a surprise set at Glasgow musician Kenny Lee Roberts Boutique Festival in aid of Glasgow Charity. Homeless Project Scotland, HBS. Kenny, who launched his hardwired lager made by Hidden Lane Brewery earlier this year, with all income from sales going to HBS, wanted to put on an event to help keep the beer and the cause it supports in the forefront of people's minds. Speaking on the festival, which took place in Loch Lomond, Kenny said, On Saturday, we hosted a golden ticket invite-only event on the shores of Loch Lomond, to enjoy a day of live, up-close and personal acoustic music, cocktails and drinks from the open bar, which was run by the Hidden Lane Brewery and Gourmet Street Food provided by the Mobile Scullery. The most important purpose of the day was to continue to raise money for Homeless Project Scotland, a cause we have been supporting this year. This was an opportunity to ask our guests to dig deep and support this great cause by Homeless Project Scotland, and they didn't disappoint, with another great amount being raised to add to the running total. This was the last big fundraiser for Hardwired, so we are now very close to selling out and handing the proceeds to the charity, one we are very passionate about. But the big surprise for guests, and for Kenny himself, he admitted, was the arrival of pal Woody from the Roars with a few of the band members including singer Ian Thompson. The band played their big hits like Shang Lang and wowed an excited audience. Speaking on the appearance, Kenny said, Since playing on my single Turning Music Up, Woody has been a great supporter of my music and also working closely with John the Scientist to ask if he would come along and play some, some Rollers classics on the banks of the wall, which he very kindly agreed to do to support the charity. 
What we didn't bargain for was he would bring some other members of the band along too, which made it a fantastic and very popular Rollers mini-set. I kicked off the day playing an acoustic set of some of my own songs from the last two albums, as well as some covers. Woody and the Rollers then played Headline, which got everyone rocking on the banks as the night went on, and we even invited some guests up to give us a tune with some of the musicians, which went down really well, a bit of a step up from karaoke. After such good responses, Kenny is already planning the next Invite Only Boutique Festival. You can check out a clip of the Bass City Rollers playing Shanga Lang on Facebook. And the article was by Morgan Carmichael. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 11th of August 2023, from the news section, Family of missing Celtic fan in Spain reveal new CCTV found. Report by Ben Waddle. The family of a Celtic fan who has been missing in Spain for over four months have revealed fresh CCTV of him has been found by authorities. Gary Watson Shearer from Renfrew arrived in the resort of Puerto del Carmen in Lanzarote on March 16th to celebrate St Patrick's Day. The 53-year-old was then last seen in the early hours of the next morning and he then failed to show up for his flight home a week later. In the latest update into their investigation, Gary's family have revealed authorities have found no CCTV of him with another man. Speaking to the Glasgow Times, Gary's sister Debbie Shearer has said the news of the footage has given the family a bit of fresh hope in the case. However, she said, Every time there's a newspaper article on Gary, the authorities come back to us with a wee bit of news and, as my mum says, it's useless information that they don't follow through. It was last week when they said to us about the CCTV and they said it was going to do a judge on Friday, August 4th, and if it was passed it would be released on Monday, August 7th. We're still sitting here waiting on this CCTV. So, we don't know whether they are just dangling a carrot in front of us and then taking it away, just to give us false hope. Following his disappearance, Spanish cops carried out a search of the area in June. However, we previously reported that this search was unsuccessful. The Celtic fan reportedly disappeared from outside Bar 67 in Puerto del Carmen. However, CTTV cameras show he was lying unconscious in a shop doorway next to the pub at around 1.30am on March 17th. We also previously reported that Davy revealed the family have faced a lack of communication from Spanish authorities around the investigation while Gary's loved ones have also flown out to the resort to carry out their own search. He was last seen wearing a Celtic top, shorts and white night trainers with green and yellow flashes. The loved family man is described as being around 5 foot 2 inches tall, has short hair and walks with a distinctive limp. He also has epilepsy and type 2 diabetes. Spanish authorities have been contacted for comment. And that article was by Ben Waddle. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 11th of August 2023, from the news section. Fire at Claybank Play Park was deliberate, say police, by Ava White. A fire at a play park was started deliberately, police have confirmed. Emergency services were called to the park in Radnor Street, Clyde Bank, after the alarm was raised at around 7pm yesterday, 
Images from the scene show two slides were damaged during the incident. Officers say they are treating the blaze as willful. An investigation into the circumstances of the, of the fire is currently ongoing. Anyone with any information is being urged to contact Police Scotland via 101, quoting incident number 3365 of August 10. A Police Scotland spokesperson said, Around 7pm on Thursday, August 10, 2023, we were called to a report of a fire and disturbance near Crown Avenue, Clyde Bank. Emergency services attended, the fire was extinguished and there were no reports of injuries. The fire has been treated as willful and inquiries are ongoing into the circumstances. Anyone with information is urged to contact police on 101, quoting reference 3365 of August 10. A Scottish Fire and Rescue Service spokesperson said, We received a call at around 7.07pm on Thursday, August 10, to reports of a structure on fire at a play park on Radnor Street, Clyde Bank. Operations Control mobilised one appliance to the scene. Crews left at around 7.33pm after making the area safe. There are no reported injuries. And the article is by Ava White. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 11th of August 2023, from the news section. Investigation underway after unexplained death in Glasgow. Report by Marissa McWhorter. An investigation is underway following an unexplained death in the city's south side. Courts were called to Greenview Street at around 6.50am today following the sudden death of a man. Officers confirmed his death has been treated as unexplained and inquiries are ongoing. Pictures from the scene show an area of the street has been taped off by police. A Police Scotland spokesperson said, Officers were called to Greenview Street, Glasgow, at around 6.50am on Friday, August 11th, 2023, following the sudden death of a man. The death has been treated as unexplained and inquiries are ongoing. In the article was by Marissa McWhorter. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 11th of August 2023, from the news section. Man rushed to hospital following incident near River Clyde, Glasgow. By Marissa McWhorter. A man was rushed to hospital following a major incident near the River Clyde in the city centre. 999 crews raced to Clyde Street around 1pm on Friday afternoon following reports of an injured man. He was rushed to Queen Elizabeth University Hospital in an ambulance and his condition is unknown. The age of the man has not been revealed. An extensive rescue operation was deployed including multiple fire engines, two water rescue units and a rope rescue team. Greenock and Helensburgh Coast Guard rescue teams confirmed they were sent to assist Police Scotland and the Scottish Fire and Rescue Service with an incident at the River Clyde around 1.25pm. However, it is understood the man was not in the river. The Glasgow Times has asked Police Scotland why the water rescue unit was deployed. A spokesperson for the Scottish Ambulance Service said, We received a call at 12.57pm today, August 11th, to attend an incident near Clyde Street, Glasgow. We dispatched an ambulance, the SORT team, and the trauma team to the scene, and the patient was transported, transported to the Queen Elizabeth University Hospital. A Scottish Fire and Rescue Service spokesperson added, 
We were requested at 1.16pm on Friday 11th of August to assist our emergency service partners at Glasgow to Clyde Street. Operations Control mobilised two water rescue units and one rope rescue team to the scene where firefighters remain working to support with an emergency service partners. A Police Scotland spokesperson said, Around 1.20pm on Friday, August 11th, police attended the Clyde Street area of Glasgow following the discovery of an injured man. Inquiries are ongoing, but there is not to believe to be any suspicious circumstances. Emergency services remain at the scene and the road is currently closed. We previously reported traffic is currently closed on Clyde Street between the Salt Market and Stockwell Street. In the article was by Marissa McWhorter. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 11th of August 2023, from the news section. New Glasgow late night venue reveals opening date by Marissa McWhorter. The opening date has been revealed for the city's newest late night venue. House Glasgow will open its doors at 25 Royal Exchange Square on Wednesday, August 30th. Taking over the former Shimmy Club, House is the latest venue from the Scotsman Hospitality Group. A spokesperson for the venue said, Inspired by all-night house parties and neighbourhood hangouts, House is a place where there's no dress code, no curfew, no gimmicks, no guest lists. This is a place to dance where you want, how you want. A place where late-night munchies is all part of the fun. Against a backdrop of sing-alongs and showstoppers from our house bands, singers and performers, come on down and enjoy pints and pizza with your party people. The new club is currently hiring for a number of positions, including an assistant manager, a door supervisor, bar staff and bussers. To find out more, go to houseglasgow.co.uk That's H-A-U-S-G-L-A-S-G-O-W dot C-O dot U-K From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 11th of August 2023, from the news section, two people left extremely distressed after robbery in Greenock by Nicole Mitchell, multimedia journalist. Two people have been left extremely distressed after they were threatened in their home by two masked men during a robbery in Greenock. The incident happened at a property on Fife Road at around 12.05am on Wednesday, August 9. Two men broke into the home and threatened the occupants before making off with a three-figure sum of cash. They are believed to have left in a light-coloured vehicle. There were no serious injuries as a result of the incident. However, police said the victims have been left shaken by the despicable crime. An investigation is underway and police are applying for anyone with information to get in touch. Detective Sergeant Andrew Henderson said, Fortunately, no one was seriously injured. However, both occupants were left extremely distressed by this despicable crime within their own home. Our inquiries to trace these men are ongoing, and I am asking anyone who saw anything suspicious, or has private CCTV or dashcam footage that could assist with their investigation, to get in touch. If you can help, please contact Police Scotland on 101, quoting incident number 0029 of Wednesday, August 9, 2023, or make a call anonymously to the charity Crime Stoppers on 0800 555 
The first man is described as being of a slim build and speaking with a local accent. He was wearing a black tracksuit with a hood up and a dark face mask. The second man is being described as of a slim to medium build and around 5 foot 11 inches tall. He also had a local accent and was wearing dark, a dark tracksuit with a hood up and a mask. And that article was by Nicole Mitchell. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 11th of August 2023, from the news section. Union to ballot Scottish water workers on potential strike action. By Ryan McDougall. Scottish water staff will be balloted on potential strike action next week, a union has confirmed. The possible strike follows Scottish Water's decision to issue a new pay structure and for offering a below inflation pay rise, Unison said. The union said it is unacceptable for a pay offer to be made and a new pay structure implemented without negotiation. Unison warned the increased amounts to a real terms pay cut. The union says it will ballot workers from Thursday on whether they should accept or reject the new pay structure and ask if they would be willing to strike over wages. If staff vote in favour of action, Unison will launch a strike ballot to decide on the possibility of action in the autumn. Unison Scottish Water Branch Secretary Patricia MacArthur said, This could have been so easily avoided. A Scottish Water is still a public sector employer. Unlike other water providers in the UK, it shouldn't be resorting to such heavy-handed management practices Scottish Water must get around the table for proper talks. Any new pay structure must be fair and have the full confidence of the staff. Otherwise, it won't stand the test of time and the public will be shortchanged. Unison Scotland Regional Organiser, Emma Phillips, added, It's imperative staff are genuinely consulted on these proposals and it takes time to get these things right. Scottish Water is behaving like a rogue employer. It can't just railroad things without talking to Unison, which represents most staff. It's outrageous managers are trying to push for more pay, while those on lower incomes will get considerably less. Scottish Water has been contacted for comment, and that article was by Ryan McDougall. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 14th of August. Government considering major cigarette change to end smoking. An article written by Matthew Evans. The UK government is considering changing cigarette packaging in an attempt to dissuade smokers from continuing to smoke. This would include messages being placed inside packets of cigarettes. Inserts would list the health and financial benefits of trying to stop and highlight the support available, the Department of Health said. Canada and Israel are just two examples that have already implemented this trial. The amount of UK smokers is at its lowest. However, 6 million people, or 13% of the population, are still thought to have the habit, according to a survey carried out for the Office for National Statistics in 2021. According to the NHS, about 76,000 people in the UK die from smoking every year. Based on an average UK price of £11.46 for a pack of 20 in 2021, Somebody who smokes 10 a day will be paying £2,091 per year. The government has pledged to end smoking in England by 2030, reducing smoking rates to 5% or less of the population. 
Earlier this year, experts predicted that the target would be missed without further action. Warnings have been printed on the outside of boxes for more than 50 years. The Department of Health said inserts inside cigarette packets could include information about the money that could be saved by giving up smoking and the potential improvements to health. Deborah Arnott, Chief Executive of Action on Smoking and Health, said it takes smokers an average 30 attempts before they succeed in stopping, so encouraging them to keep on trying is vital. Pack inserts do this by backing up the grim messages about death and disease on the outside with the best advice about how to quit on the inside. Health Secretary Steve Barclay said smoking places a huge burden on the NHS, the economy and on individuals. By taking action to reduce smoking rates and pursuing our ambition to be smoke-free by 2030, we will reduce the pressure on the NHS and help people to live healthier lives. The consultation runs until October and is seeking views on the government's proposals. It comes as the Department of Health publishes an initial report on its major condition strategy, which aims to improve treatment and prevention for six groups of conditions, said to account for 60% of all ill health and early death in England. The conditions include cancer, cardiovascular and chronic respiratory diseases, all of which have been linked to smoking. Dementia, mental health and musculoskeletal disorders are also being targeted. An article written by Matthew Evans. Glasgow Times News. On Monday the 14th of August. New road safety initiative rolled out at Glasgow schools. A front page article written by Lauren Brownlee. A number of new initiatives will be rolled out across Glasgow to raise awareness of road safety amid a concerning number of fatal accidents. Signage will be placed on streets close to primary schools at drop-off and pick-up times in a bid to remind motorists to be careful and considerate while parking and driving. The new signs are just one of the initiatives following a number of crashes across the city which have resulted in lives being lost. Operations Superintendent Patrick Murphy of Greater Glasgow Division said Our Safer Communities Department presented this as one of many ideas to raise awareness around being considerate users of the road as well as parking at schools and crossing the road while being mindful of the presence of children near the schools. There is significant partnership work ongoing in relation to road deaths and incidents on the road where somebody has been seriously injured. We're working with partners to look at everything from education through to enforcement. We previously reported that several tragedies since the beginning of 2023 have resulted in motorists, pedestrians and cyclists losing their lives on the city's roads. The Glasgow Times has reported on 14 people, including two children, who have sadly passed away. There has been a decrease in road traffic fatalities over the last three years, but this year has already seen an increase from 2022, with more than four months left. According to Police Scotland data, seven people lost their lives on the city's roads last year, nine in 2021 and 14 in 2020. Superintendent Murphy said the new wide-ranging initiative is extremely important because any serious injury or death on the roads is tragic and we're looking to try and clearly prevent that. We're looking to educate people to try and keep them safe on the roads So that's the important element for me about making the roads a safer place. 
It's about education, prevention, and it's about utilising every element we possibly can to get the message across so that we can reduce accidents and keep people safe on the roads. The school's safety initiative is part of a wider campaign run by the force. We continue with our programme of national campaigns, whether it's relating to seatbelts, drunk driving, speeding or the condition of your vehicle, Superintendent Murphy said. So there are a number of different national initiatives across the country, so it's part and parcel of a wider campaign to raise awareness, to educate, but also to communicate to the public to act in accordance with the law and the highway code. We want to get the positive message out there. If you're using the road, use it lawfully, but also be considerate to other users of that road, regardless of your mode of transport. The new signage will be rolled out across the city in due course. A front-page article written by Lauren Brownlee. Glasgow Times, on Monday the 14th of August. Opinion. Rebuilding the city needs a cross-party approach. A column written by Mike Daly. How do we reinvigorate Glasgow? How do we shake things up to get Glasgow back to being a world-class city? Over the last few years, we've had countless council task force groups, commissions and a variety of talking shops, all of which has led to a panoply of reports. Many words, but not so much action. Visible signs of decay are apparent. Local communities have a growing list of gripes, from the declining state of our parks, streets, potholes, empty shops, ever-increasing parking charges and cuts to vital public services and amenities. Yet there's a deeper malaise that's more profound. Economic decline and stagnation. Empty shops, ghost town properties and a dying nighttime economy. Council funding is a problem. The council has seen its income salami sliced year on year by the Scottish Government, often with barely a squeak from the ruling administration. Reform of local government in 1996 saw the disbandment of Strathclyde Regional Council and a smaller city redrawn. The ongoing inequity of millions of commuters and visitors to Glasgow using its public attractions and facilities for free while not contributing to their upkeep, continues. A lack of a proper 21st century integrated transport system means no rail links to the Queen Elizabeth University Hospital or to Glasgow Airport. People can't get home from the city centre easily late at night. The subway system is essentially part-time, and the bus service is patchy, problematic and expensive. We have a crisis-level lack of affordable housing in the city, People are living in unsuitable or temporary homeless accommodation for years on end, waiting to find a decent home. Private renting is more expensive than buying a flat, but for people who can't get a mortgage, sadly, there's no other choice. So how do we move forward? To identify successful solutions, it's important to understand the history of the city, how we got here and what has worked well in the past. Last week, my fellow solicitor advocate colleague John McGovern and I talked to Paul Sweeney, an MSP for the Glasgow region, on ideas to reinvigorate our city. You can hear our full discussion on The Ordinary Elite podcast, free on Spotify, iTunes or on Amazon. For Paul, repopulating Glasgow is a key part of our way forward. 
The city's population peaked at 1.2 million in the late 1950s. It's now barely half that number. There were compelling reasons for depopulating Glasgow in the 1960s and the 1970s, including sanitation and the poor state of housing. But in reality, we lost a great deal in that massive social engineering exercise. Manchester has added 200,000 people to its population since the turn of the millennium. Glasgow has only added 56,000 to its population, despite it losing half a million. We've only recovered 10% of the number lost to the new towns, the overspill estates and new suburbs. For Paul, we need to seriously change gear in terms of the restructuring of Glasgow and the repopulation of the city. Glasgow was seen as a city of heavy old-fashioned industries that were in decline, such as shipbuilding and railway engineering, and it was to be managed into a sort of terminal decline. There were good interventions throughout the 1980s and 1990s to try and rejuvenate the city. Glasgow's Miles Better, the construction of the SEC, the City of Culture and the Commonwealth Games are just a few examples. Have we done enough to reverse the scale of the damage done? There have been some good initiatives across Glasgow, but it's been agonisingly slow. For example, the govern to Partick Public Bridge was a city deal project announced in 2014, and next year we'll finally see the bridge being built. We've had some excellent success stories in the past. The Scottish Development Agency in the 1980s developed the Scottish Events Campus. The development of the Merchant City was one of the best urban regeneration projects in Europe, repopulating the old heart of Glasgow. Why haven't we continued with these types of big successes? More recently, rejuvenation has occurred as a result of the writing off of the council housing debt in 2003 – which has enabled rapid investment and growth in our community housing associations. Has there been a dearth of leadership and governance in the decline of Glasgow? What is beyond question is a lack of political ambition. Promoting Glasgow as a city region of 1.7 million people should help us to lever in the major capital funding to invest in world-class amenities, tourist attractions and new economic and transport infrastructure. That requires proper Scottish Government and Parliament support and a cross-party and inclusive approach to delivering and implementing successful projects. Why don't we have that? A column written by Mike Daly. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 14th of August. Education Union calls on Hamza Youssef for action. An article written by Ryan McDougall. The Educational Institute of Scotland has called on the First Minister to take action on the lack of job security among newly qualified teachers. The Educational Institute of Scotland, or EIS, is the largest teaching union in the country and said Scottish teachers in recent years have been appointed on short-term temporary contracts. The union said this has meant a growing number of teachers are leaving the profession to find job security elsewhere – adding that this has had serious implications for the Scottish educational system. In a letter to First Minister Hamza Youssef, EIS General Secretary Andrea Bradley wrote on the urgent matter of precarity of employment for thousands of teachers in Scotland, whose professional and personal lives are in turmoil as a result of the lack of the job security that many were led to believe they would have by entering the teaching profession. 
She said she'd raised the issue with the First Minister in early June. The letter continues, I appreciated the concern that you expressed at the time and have become increasingly concerned myself as more and more members have contacted the EIS over the summer months in desperation at the prospect of no work when the new school session begins. Miss Bradley said the newly qualified teachers' years of study that they have undertaken shows that they are committed to children, young people and their profession. She said their commitment often comes with significant personal sacrifice and expense through the successful completion of a rigorous probationary year and through the achievement of an exacting suite of professional standards. The letter adds... In embarking on such a path, many will have done so in direct response to the Scottish Government's own inspiring teachers and Teaching Makes People recruitment campaigns of 2016 and 2017, which rightly sought to bring more graduates into the profession. Regrettably, for the thousands of teachers who undertook their ITE courses in good faith, the long-term staffing strategy for education has not served them well. Not only does the staffing situation that I've outlined negatively impact the lives and well-being of thousands of teachers, to the point that many are simply leaving or plan to leave the teaching profession in Scotland, the EIS believes that it falls short of delivering the quality of education that children and young people in Scotland should have the benefit of at all times. And particularly as our education system struggles to recover from the pandemic, and our most socio-economically disadvantaged children and young people from blow after blow of Westminster-driven austerity on their education. On behalf of the EIS, I ask again that you give this matter urgent consideration and provide additional funding to local authorities that is effectively ring-fenced for the recruitment of additional permanently employed teachers, as well as looking carefully at teacher workforce planning for the years ahead, to ensure stability and sufficiency of teacher staffing within our schools ongoing. The Scottish Government has been contacted for comment. An article written by Ryan McDougall. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 15th of August 2023, from the news section, Ambulance staff to honour tragic colleague who lost life at 24, report by Tom Grant, Emergency service workers are set to take on an almighty walking challenge in honour of the cancer's charity who helped their colleague during her final days. Nine Scottish Ambulance Service, SAS, staff are getting set to take on the West Highland Way to raise money for the Teenage Cancer Trust at the Beetson after the charity supported their friend, Maeve Cameron, earlier this year. I apologise for the pronunciation but Ms Cameron's forename is M-E-A-D-H-B-H and I do not know how to pronounce that. I presume it is Gaelic. We previously reported that Meave, a paramedic who worked out of Claybank Station, was diagnosed with a rare form of lung cancer last September. After receiving chemotherapy, doctors informed her two days before Christmas she had six to eight weeks to live. She passed away on March 11th, age 24. Now, Nicole Green, Martin Nally, Ewan Lindsay, David Kelly, Peter Smith, Joanne Werner, Maria Strain, Michelle Durham and Ashley Campbell from the Scottish Ambulance Service 
will join Meeve's dad Seamus to take on the 96 mile trek. Nicole said, We are raising money for the Teenage Cancer Trust, which provided terrific support to Meeve and her family during her time at the Beatson. They made it possible for her to get married to her husband, Lee, as well as caring for her throughout her illness. In May, the Clybank Post reported on husband Lee running the Loch Ness Marathon to also raise money for the Beatson, which the family credit with doing so much for Meath throughout her fight. Meath began her paramedic training at Glasgow Caledonian University and was placed at Glasgow West Station for three years as a student. When she qualified, she got a permanent position in Clydebank, which is when her colleagues really got to know her. Nicole added, During her time at the Scottish Ambulance Service, she had a massive impact on everyone at the station, with how bright and positive she was, and had a natural ability for caring for patients. We all really miss her. Seamus, who is flying over from Ireland, and the rest of the Scottish Ambulance Service team, We'll begin the walk on August 21, and that report was by Tom Grant. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 15th of August 2023, from the news section, Nicola Sturgeon in heartfelt tribute to ex-SNP councillor Jim McLeod. Report by Lorraine Tinney. Heartfelt tributes have been paid to a much-loved former councillor, and disability campaigner, who has sadly passed away at the age of 62. Jim McLeod, a Port Glasgow community stalwart, lost his brave battle with a severe respiratory illness on Sunday. His beloved wife, Sylvia, who Jim described as his rock, was was by his side at the Inverclyde Royal Hospital as he slipped away. They had been together for 27 precious years and were married for 19 of those. Jim was first elected as an Inverclyde councillor in 2007 and maintained his role as a go-to man in the community until last May. Provost Drew McKenzie spoke fondly of Jim, who worked alongside him as ward councillor. The provost said, Jim was a fine ward councillor and highly respected and he worked alongside myself and Robert Moran. He was always there at the end of the phone and was very well loved about the port. He was one of the good guys, especially for what he had to overcome, even to attend meetings. He was a champion on the Health and Social Care Committee. He'd experienced it all himself and was very much a campaigner for disabled people and he made you stand up and listen. He will be sorely missed as a person. He was larger than life and a very kind man. Jim was Port Glasgow born and bred and previously shared the experience of the tragic childhood accident that changed his life forever and took him away from his parents and community. He was knocked down on the Clunbrae when he was only eight in 1969, an accident which confined him to a wheelchair. Jim was educated at Trefoil Boarding School for Physically Disabled Children, run by the Girl Guides Association in Edinburgh, because, at that time, there was no disabled access at mainstream schools in Inverclyde. The SNP veteran said coping with a life-changing accident made him the person he was and made him a road safety campaigner and gave him a determination to make the lives of disabled people better. He was a driving force behind Inverclyde Council on Disability 
and started the Shop Mobility Scheme in his youth. Jim was also a talented wheelchair basketball player and he travelled around the world in that capacity. MSP Stuart McMillan said that Inverclyde had lost a true son. Mr McMillan added, Today is such a sad day with the passing of Jim McLeod. My thoughts and prayers are with Sylvia and of all of Jim's family. We both joined the Greenock and Inverclyde SNP branch of the Scottish National Party around the same time and were instrumental in refounding the Port Glasgow branch of the SNP along with a few other colleagues. Jim's energy, drive and experience helped us become an excellent campaigning branch and I was so delighted and proud when Jim was elected as a councillor in 2007. In addition to family, Jim was dedicated to Port Glasgow and independence. He will have helped thousands of people in his life even before he was elected. Port Glasgow, Inverclyde and Scotland have lost a true son today. Many hearts will be broken, but Jim's achievement and legacy of helping others will last the test of time. Ronnie Cowan MP said he will remember Jim's sense of humour and the support he gave him when he was campaigning. He said, I was trying to remember how long he had known Jim and Sylvia, because it is always Jim and Sylvia. They were a partnership forged in adversity. They were each other's rock. The truth is, I knew of Jim long before I even I ever met him in person, and when I did, he was very quick to make me feel at ease. His humour, often self-deprecating, was used wisely and quickly. I got to know the man. I was campaigning with Jim long before I was elected and was over keen to impress. As Jim drove the route shouting out instructions, that house is a dog. They're unionists, make sure you don't miss that flat. That's May's house, she's a member slash voter. It was obvious he knew his patch like no other. His character shone out far beyond the confines of his wheelchair. Former First Minister Nicola Sturgeon also paid tribute, saying... I knew Jim for many years. He was an outstanding councillor, a dedicated champion for his community and a passionate campaigner for Scottish independence. Above all, he was courageous and optimistic about life and a thoroughly decent man. I was proud to call him a friend. He loves Sylvia dearly and my thoughts are with her at this sad time. And that article was by Lorraine Tinney. The Glasgow Times on Tuesday the 15th of August 2023. From the Opinion section. Ask Janice, what can I do about my son's exam results? An article written by Janice Bell and read by me, Corey. Dear Janice, our son got dreadful exam results last week and we are so disappointed. We knew he hated school, but thought he was at least trying with some subjects. He wants to leave as he says he has no interest in studying. He is a clever lad, but without qualifications. How does he stand a chance in securing a job? We are at our wit's end and have run out of motivational chants and suggestions. We even bribed him with a holiday if he stuck in, but it made no difference. Can you advise what our next move should be? Laura. Dear Laura, you now know that bribery and coercion is futile. 
So stop expecting your son to wake up one morning and say, OK, thanks mum, I'll try harder from now on. Whilst bribery might work with some kids, your son is simply not interested academically. That said, he may well have other skill sets, which can serve him well throughout his life. The hospitality industry, social care, working with children or the elderly, forestry, farming, etc. There are endless options. Finding what his passion is and the skills he has is key to helping him on the right path. Begin by contacting Skills Development Scotland, which can assist in exploring all aspects of apprenticeships and careers and can help him assess his options. He's still very young, so don't despair. There's a big world out there full of people with no qualifications who have somehow managed to thrive. Be patient and support him in his quest to find himself. I bet, given some time, he will surprise you. Dear Janice, We find it extremely difficult not to interfere when we visited our daughter because of our grandchildren, both under 10, are unruly to say the least. They are noisy, rude, disrespectful and throw tantrums at the slightest thing. As if that isn't bad enough, she and her husband disagree on just about every household and childcare rule. I was a stay-at-home mum and never had any of these issues, but they both work full-time, so we are aware that they must be under a lot of pressure. It is a strain to visit them, and my husband and I find no pleasure in it, but we don't want to miss out on our grandchildren growing up either. My daughter can tell we disapprove, but says nothing. So how do we help them without causing even more tension and upset? June Dear June, Sounds like help and intervention is much needed. It's difficult for you to understand these behaviours because, as you alluded to, you were a stay-at-home mum. You ran your household, parented, and, for the most, the rules were yours, with backup from Dad when he returned home. Your daughter and her husband's circumstances are completely different. By the time they both get home, they have limited time with their children, so it may seem unfair to chastise and discipline them in that short time before bed. Talk to them both. Explain the importance of working together, backing each other up and not taking sides. Not everyone acquires painting skills naturally when their children arrive. And like most things that are learned, we may need lessons. There are parenting programmes all over Scotland, so encourage them to contact Parenting Across Scotland. I suspect most of their children's unruly behaviour is reserved for mum and dad, so take them out for the day, or have them stay over at yours. That way your daughter and son-in-law get a welcome break. You get to spend time with your grandchildren and hopefully discover what makes them tick. Doing this instead of being critical means you can perhaps understand firsthand what's going on and help in other ways. Dear Janice, Some months back I met a lovely woman at an over-50s fitness club and we've become really good friends. So much so that she suggested we book a holiday together. 
She was wonderful company, and we seemed to get on like a house on fire, so I immediately jumped at the chance. However, unlike her, I have a limited budget, but agreed as I assumed we would be sharing a room, so cutting the cost. However, when we got down to looking at accommodation, she told me that she must have a room to herself, which means the cost of my holiday will rise quite a bit. She didn't give an explanation as to why we must have separate rooms, and I can't think of a reason why we can't share. Now I wonder if I have made the right decision in agreeing to this holiday. Morag Dear Morag, I imagine she is thinking the same thing. Let's be realistic. You're in your 50s, not 17, and on your first adventure to Magaluf. Holding together is one thing, but sleeping, dressing, bathing, etc. in the same room is a completely different matter. There could be dozens of reasons why she needs her own space, but it is really none of your business. Perhaps once you get to know your new friends a bit better, all will be revealed. But until then, respect her choice. It's time to decide to accept the fact that your holiday will cost more than you wrongly assumed, or stay home. Got a question for our agony aunt? Email askjanice, that's A-S-K-J-A-N-I-C-E, all lowercase, at glasgowtimes, all one word, dot co dot uk. That article was from the Glasgow Times. It was written by Janice Bell and it was read by me, Corey. The Glasgow Times on Tuesday the 15th of August 2023. From the opinion section. Glasgow's international reputation is to be envied. An article by Susan Atkin and read by me, Corey. What an incredible show Glasgow's put on with the UCI Cycling World Championships. On Sunday, our city was again in the international spotlight, hosting a truly world-class event in front of a global audience of millions. Glasgow, of course, rose to the occasion and didn't disappoint. The 190,000 who gathered for the men's elite road race along the gruelling 14-kilometre city circuit won't forget the thrill and privilege of watching some of the greatest cyclists in the history of the sport slog it out on our streets. The skill, bravery and endurance of the riders was truly breathtaking, and the drama right to the end was magnificent. Glasgow knows a thing or two about sport. Our city is unique in having been twice named European Capital of Sport. And we know even more about providing amazing support as the past week has proven. The Glasgow crowds created a brilliant atmosphere at the weekend, with their numbers, enthusiasm and volume, spurring the riders on and creating a new landmark in world cycling, Montrose Street. In the building up to the championships, there have been some questions about Glasgow's suitability for staging a huge event like this. That's to be expected in most cities hosting something global. But on Sunday, and indeed throughout the championships, Glasgow has provided a stunning backdrop 
to the events we've staged. I'm sure I speak for many Glaswegians when I say how proud I was of the images of Glasgow beamed across the world, our stunning cityscape surpassed only by the passion of spectators. A great deal of planning goes into an event like the UCI, and along with the Chamber of Commerce, we've engaged exclusively with businesses in the build-up. There's always, however, going to be some disruption, and I encourage any business impacted to contact our teams via the Get Ready Glasgow website, and they'll respond as soon as possible. But when our city centre has been hit hard by the economic shocks of the pandemic and cost-of-living crisis, the vibrancy and general busyness on display in recent days has been fantastic to see. Glasgow is really good at this stuff. In recent decades, we've shown repeatedly our ability to successfully host big events. From the UCI to the Banksy exhibition to COP26. Like those who are lining up hundreds of millions of pounds in investment in Glasgow, they keep coming back because our city is a great place to be, and because we work very hard to attract and secure them. Beyond the immediate spend within the city during the championships, UCI helps maintain Glasgow's international profile, and the interest in our city which comes with that. In a world where Brexit has made the job of promoting UK cities so much more difficult, that's profile our peers and competitors would bite our hands off for. And while cycling competitors take their chances for medals and world records and fans enjoy a wonderful summer of sport, the council has an opportunity to continue changing our great city for the better. As we target unprecedented investment in active travel, these championships can help us find another gear in our push to become healthier, more active and a better connected city. So, in the days remaining, enjoy yourself and your city, whether it's on the road, on the track or wherever you are watching. Make sure they hear you. Tory Home Secretary Sulia Braverman wants to house hundreds of asylum seekers in grim and inhumane conditions on the River Clyde. Following her failed attempts to fly those seeking sanctuary in the UK to camps in Rwanda, Miss Braverman is forcing asylum seekers into huge barges in several locations across the UK. Earlier this week, the first asylum seekers were moved onto a barge off the southeast coast of England. Described by Amnesty International as akin to floating Victorian prisons, Miss Braverman now wants other areas to follow suit, with the Home Office exploring the potential of a site in Glasgow. But they've been told, in no uncertain terms, that Glasgow does not and will not support this cruel approach to often vulnerable and traumatised people. Last year, as an emergency response to the war in Ukraine, refugees were housed in a cruise ship on the Clyde. But let's be clear, these things are a world away from each other. While that situation was in no way ideal, Ukrainian refugees have very different rights from asylum seekers. They have the right to work, to stay with volunteer hosts 
and to come and go as they pleased. But asylum seekers, kept on these barges, are forced to live in detention-like conditions, where they will be kept for long periods of time with little or no access to anything but basic support. Unsurprisingly, Labour, the party which introduced the legislation denying asylum seekers access to many benefits in the first place, have confirmed they will continue to use barges if they are elected in Westminster. Again, in pursuit of Tory votes, Sir Keir Stammer just shrugs his shoulders and claims there's nothing Labour can do. Well, in Glasgow, we treat asylum seekers with dignity and respect, even if we do so with Westminster tying our hands behind our backs. We are proud of our record of supporting and integrating asylum seekers and of the contribution which they have made to our city. And we will do all we can to prevent human beings being treated in such a callous way in our city. That article was from the Glasgow Times. Both were written by Susan Aitken and they were read by me, Corey. This is from the Glasgow Times on the 16th of August 2023 from the news section. And the headline reads, Couple Rage at Dog Kennel after hearing how two dogs died. This article was by Matthew Evans. A couple has vowed to never use a dog kennel again after two of their dogs died in a horrific fashion whilst they were on holiday. Tim and Olga Shaw left their four pets at Three Counties Dog Rescue in Lincolnshire while on holiday in May last year, but were beyond shocked to be told that only two of them had survived the stay. Management informed the couple, aged 56 and 46, that their two dogs were killed in a fight by one of their very own dogs, but the Shaws doubted this. They have since taken Three Counties Dog Rescue to court, where they were awarded over £3,000 in compensation for their loss. The kennel, however, remains resolute that there is no other realistic explanation for how the two dogs died, and says a veterinary report proved the cause of death. The incident has left the Shaw family from Thorny, Cambridgeshire, furious. They have vowed never to use a kennel again, claiming the dogs were not taken care of properly and left for hours without supervision overnight. After originally leaving their four dogs, Minty, Daisy, Boss and Teddy, at the boarding kennels for a previous two-night stay in February 2022, the pair decided to put them in their care for a second time in May the same year when they went on a one-week holiday. Olga cut their holiday short after being told over the phone that their two chihuahuas, Boss, Seven and Teddy, aged two, had been killed by Daisy, a Jack Russell chihuahua cross. Tim told the mirror, we turned up at the kennels and we were absolutely shocked, completely beside ourselves really, and not able to console ourselves. They pointed to one of our dogs as being the culprit and they said they had a report of blood on our muzzle. Upon hearing us, the couple asked the centre, which also operates a shelter, from which they had previously adopted a dog themselves, to rehome Daisy, as they didn't want her to be around Minty if she had been responsible. But, after a few days, they started to develop doubts about the kennel's version of events and took Daisy home before bringing her to a dog psychologist. The professional reportedly suggested such behaviour would not be normal for the dog on the basis of the relationship she had displayed with Minty. He recalled, 
she said if she, Daisy, had done it, if she had done it, then she would have been subjected to a great level of stress at the time, way beyond any normal level of stress. As well as the kennel, who claimed they did not supervise the dogs overnight and kept them in spaces the size of a door, the couple have also hit out their local authority. They believe South Kesteven District Council did not investigate the incident properly during the complaints process and refused to take their concerns about conditions at the kennel seriously. Tim, a chartered accountant, even alleges that there was a close relationship between the council and the kennel and claims the investigating officer, who originally found in Three Counties Dog Rescue's favour, had been the same person who awarded the kennel their operating licence in the first place. He said, After about a month, we got a report that said, As far as we can see, your dogs did it, and the kennel wasn't to blame. They did everything they could. But as we crowed with the council and the officer about what had happened, we realised that our four dogs had been kept for 16 hours a day in a kennel that was 1.9 metres square. It's the size of a door. There was no human on site in that period. There was no CCTV. Frankly, anything could have happened. The conditions they were kept in were just horrendous. A 12-month legal case then followed before reaching a conclusion at Peterborough Crown Court in May with the couple being awarded £2,500 for the loss of the dogs and £557.10 in legal costs. Tim, who said he would have been happy without a penny if it meant ensuring this doesn't happen to another family, now says he will never leave his pets with a kennel again and believes more needs to be done to train staff and ensure standards are kept up at kennels once they have their licence. Three Counties Dog Rescue told the Mirror Three Counties Dog Rescue are a registered charity and has been in existence for over 50 years. We have a commercial boarding arm to raise funds to support the rescue work. The Shaw's dogs had previously been to us for boarding and shared a kennel. When they came to us for boarding in 2022, we asked whether they wanted them to share again and they said yes, but watch out for Daisy as she can be a bit bossy. There were no problems over the first three days of the boarding. On the following morning, it was discovered that two of the dogs were dead and Daisy had blood on her nose. We took all four dogs to our vets who confirmed that the deaths had been caused by the attack of another dog. When the Shaws came to collect the dogs, Mrs Shaw said, Daisy, Daisy, what have you done? At this time, Daisy was playing rough with Minty, the other dog. The Shaws asked us to rehome Daisy, but any new owners should be warned about Daisy's behaviour. Subsequently, they decided to take Daisy back, but asked if we could recommend a behaviourist to help them. This is supported by Mrs Shaw's text. As regards to the accusations, the licensing authority carried out an extensive review of our boarding arrangements covering kennel size and location, staffing levels and training and competence. They reported, We do not consider that the three counties have breached their animal welfare licence nor the relevant animal welfare regulations in relation to the incident. It is beyond the bounds of reality to believe that the deaths were caused by other than an attack by the other dog. There is no other realistic explanation. Mr Shaw mounted a money claim against us for £4,000 for the loss of the dogs. We were unable to attend to hearing due to illness, but the judge reduced the money claim to £2,500. A spokesperson for South Kesteven District Council said, 
we are aware of the kennels and continue to work with them, as we do with all our licensed premises, to ensure they meet the terms of the licence. This article is by Matthew Evans. This is from the Glasgow Times on the 16th of August 2023 from the news section and the headline reads How Glasgow Comedian Deals with Berliner Prison Hecklers. This article is by Kirsty Friedrich. A Glasgow Comedian has revealed what it is like to perform in Berliner Prison. Tattoo Dave, whose real name is David McKinley, is a stand-up comic who isn't afraid of any crowd, including locked-up inmates. The 46-year-old from the West End has even had to put some of Glasgow's hardest criminals in their place for heckling as he visits prisons across Scotland. It comes as he performs with the Wholesome Prison Blues Collective, a group of six who have completed 26 gigs for convicts since last November. Speaking to the Glasgow Times, Tattoo Dave said, The prison shows are great. It is a real extreme environment compared to a pub or club. We need to think about the material we use as well, as a lot of them don't know what things like Netflix and Just Eat are because they've been inside for so long. Berlin is brilliant. We've done three gigs there now and the guys are always lively and up for a right laugh. The place has a hard reputation so you need to be prepared to deal with that and the hecklers in the crowd. When someone shouts out during the show, you don't know who they are or why they're in Berlin, so it can be a bit scary but you just need to be confident and banter back. Sometimes I put them in their place and it goes dead silent, then there's a split second of panic that maybe I went too far with the wrong person. Every time it ends in the room erupting with laughter though, and we carry on with the show. The Wholesome Prison Blues Collective aims to reward well-behaved prisoners with comedy to give them respite from their sentences. Tattoo Dave hopes their visits will encourage rehabilitation within Berlin and set the convicts onto a better life path. The group is also developing creative writing and performing workshops with the inmates to provide them with more skills and confidence. They've explained, One of the things that I really love about doing these prison shows is because they can really make a difference in these guys' lives. Some guys are in because they never had opportunities on the outside and now they can have access to education and help with addiction. The comedy gigs play a small part in helping people leave in a stronger position than they were going into Berlin. Prison should be the punishment. They should do their time and get help so they can be a better member of society. It helps us as well. If we can go into a prison on a cold winter Monday morning and make 30 guys laugh at 10am, then going to a festival or comedy club should be no problem. Tattoo Dave is performing at the Fringe Festival in Edinburgh, revealing stories of what it is like inside the prison. He also has gigs coming up in Glasgow at The Stand on Tuesday, August 22nd. This article is by Kirsty Fiedek. That concludes this week's edition of the Glasgow Times podcast. Please remember to subscribe to our channels at Tune Review and to tell your friends about our service.